the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The biggest pop culture movement since the Beatles, $22.5 billion at the box office, and we found the one guy who doesn't have a clue what we're talking about. With two fellow MCU nerds to help guide his hand along the way, one thing is for certain, we're with him until the end of the line. Welcome to Colin Brain versus the MCU. On your left. Hello and welcome to your favourite MCU podcast designed for your ear holes. Some said it was impossible. They said it couldn't be done. But here we are at phase three, baby, and what a way to kick off phase three, but with none other than Captain America Civil War. Before we jump into what I predict is going to be quite a long and eventful podcast, I really should introduce my fellow co-hosts. Now, I don't know if you've ever listened to a podcast before, but it's usually not this many jingles. Unless that podcast is Colin Brain versus the MCU, and one of your co-hosts is Robert Trot. Rob, say hello. Hello. Although that's not my name, is it, George? Is it not? No. Well, I have it noted. Mention Rob's stupid name, but uh, that was coming later, so let's do it now. So... Shall we even let the audience know, because I'm pretty sure they know by now that we all do this over Zoom, and Rob, every week, changes his Zoom name for every single episode. Rob, who are you this week? So, for the Captain America films, we've had Fucky Barnes. Brilliant. Alexander Fierce. Fantastic. And it's the third one, so I've got to go with Cap himself. Steve Todgers. Todgers. Brilliant. Classic classic thank you sir as um mature as ever so and in regards to my final co-host for this evening thank the gods he's only in a podcast about the mcu and not actually in the mcu because the line where are you from kid fetford norfolk sure doesn't sound anywhere near as cool as queens or brooklyn it's colin brain colin say hello 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 so rob how are you this week i am good I've been buying up a load of non-MCU Marvel films. Mm. So I got some funny looks buying... I don't know, is it a spoiler if we give titles for these ones? Nah. No, not if they're not MCU, go for it. Yeah, so I bought X-Men Wolverine Origins, 50p. Yes, still too expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. X-Men Apocalypse, a pound. Okay. Mm, I'd go with 50p for that one. I would as well, yeah. But, you know, biggest car we choose And The Amazing Spider-Man. Oh. That was was two pound. Oh, okay. Two discs, though. Pound a disc. Pound a disc. I'll I'll give it. (laughs) I'll allow it. X-Men Wolverine Origins came with a digital copy, which wasn't ultraviolet. It's on an extra disc that you then Mm. can cash in via itunes so if either of you boys want a digital copy well who knows um that actually uh, i don't like to be nasty about films but it'll be interesting when we uh, get round to that in one of our bonus episodes in way off in the future because that is one of the only films i've ever walked out of the cinema to i just i couldn't hack anymore which one which one was that x-men origins wolverine oh yeah i didn't see that one. Oh, you will oh it's so will i yes so colin yes here's a question for you okay if tomorrow let's say the podcast was to end like Mm. me or rob 
were both to suffer like horrendous fates from the Winter Soldier himself or just by crossing a road, which is the, probably the more likely scenario for our untimely deaths. Yeah. Would you continue to watch the MCU? So, deaths aside, if for whatever reason the podcast ceased to exist, would you still check out the next few movies? No. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> I'd put it in a will that you have to in order to get some sort of treasure. Yeah, I mean, I think Brilliant. if I think if if one of you guys died, then I'd maybe do it just out of like a respect, you know, and a memory. Right, if one thing. of us, you continue it in our memory. But yeah, if we both but... died, you'd fuck it off. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Um, I mean, like, yeah, like you said, if if neither of you died, but the podcast just ended, would I carry on watching them? Probably not. <laughs> but that that's not that doesn't mean I'm not enjoying them. It's just I don't watch films, so I'm not going to just sit there and watch a film. For no reason. Fantastic. I don't know whether this upsets me or not. Um, okay, thank you for your honesty. Um, and then, Rob, I've got a quick question for you as well. Right. This is an odd question. Do you ever actually see the MCU ending? Because it's very much like a... It feels like a runaway train at the moment. It, um, as of recording, we are in phase four. Colin, you'll get there soon. And it just feels like there's so much momentum. There's always new projects being announced. Like... Are we ever going to see this end? Do I have to stay alive this long? Because let's be honest, that clock is ticking. <laughs> it's like Kevin <laughs> um, Kevin Smith when he had his heart yes. attack and he was worried he wasn't going to get to see a particular film in the MCU. <laughs> I don't know. I think it would take... It just goes down to people keep spending money on it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you get to a point where there's like three or even two financial flops in a row. I know it's Disney yep. and they've got money to throw at things, but they might just go, nah, you know what? It would mm-hmm. take people not going to see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, sh- surely it's going to get to a point with these films where, I mean, you can't have Iron Man and Captain America and stuff in anymore just because the actors are going to start ageing. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have to start taking risks with newer like characters coming in and then i guess it's going to be whether or not those characters hit the audience in the same way and uh, i mean i guess the 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 mindset is to to always be hitting that younger demographic right so you can keep selling merch to them and keep getting them to want all of the like the dolls and the fucking whatever bullshit for christmas every year and stuff i guess i mean that that would be my my thought process and if they keep doing that then why the hell wouldn't they just keep carrying on but it's not going to be the same is it it's going to always be changed well you'd hope it always is going to be changing yeah it's definitely an odd one you know at one point do they get to the point where they simply run out of characters because if you go down the route you're not going to keep reviving characters because that that just becomes cheap i think that's maybe the point where we maybe lose the mcu if it feels like it's starting to rehash itself maybe yeah but they've already had 7,000 Spider-Man, so people are still yeah. watching. It's very true. It's an interesting mm. one. We'll see. We'll still mm. be doing the podcast. Yeah. Yes, um, on my deathbed. <laughs> Just so. grey and old and wrinkly. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, we actually saw this film together, didn't yeah, we, boys? Yeah, we did, yeah. Um, we mentioned it at the end of our last episode, and um, it almost didn't happen, mm. but we just about managed it. And yeah, for the first time, we all got to be together to watch one of these silly MCU movies for the first time as a group. Um, it was quite a lovely evening, wasn't it, boys? It was. It was nice and chilled out. Colin was a uh, lovely host, and uh, five out of five would recommend. <laughs> 
I really enjoyed it. It was probably one of the best movie watching experiences I've had in a long, long time having you guys over. Wow. So thank you. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. That takeaway was yeah, amazing. I enjoyed it as a lot. Well. That was a good takeaway, yeah. We ready, got a vegan, ready burger. Yeah. yeah, vegan burgers and chips. It was, it was good stuff. Very, very nice. So yeah, um we'll plan to do it again in the future. There are in a couple of months' time, a couple of maybe one or two big films coming up, so maybe we'll have our next get together then. But I don't think I told you this to you, Colin. Um, on Twitter this week, people have been saying, like, once you finally catch up, yeah, let's all go to the cinema at the same time to watch a new release. Okay. And a lot of our followers want to join us as well. And I say, the more the merrier. Just hire a screen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm well up for that. So once you're all caught up, we can actually all go see a film together for the first time, along with some of you guys at home as well. I'd be more than up for that. The idea of me being caught up is very strange. <laughs> but then mm-hmm. you think about it, even this one we've just watched, right? That came out in... Like, 2016. I mean, we're, we're catching up. Yeah. We're getting and they, there. They do, they do about three a year. So yeah. we are catching up. That's crazy. And then it's to, uh, we'll be jumping into the TV shows, though, so there's plenty to see. Um, mm. So, without further ado, here we go again. And if you boys could... Be so kind as to give me the floor as I provide a background to Civil War to both Colin and our listeners. As always, Colin, you know the drill bind out. Any questions, fire away. I'm sure between Rob and myself, we will be able to help. Are we ready? Let's go. Let's do it, baby. So far, so good. Skip the compliments. Let's get on with it. So... Colin, when we did our episode on Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Mm -hmm. I mentioned that the two fellas that were brought on to direct were uh, Joe and Anthony Russo, or the Mm -hmm. Russo brothers. Uh, And as the shoot was so seamless, so issue-free, the fact that the film was very well-received too definitely helped. They were actually offered a long-term contract with Marvel so um, to help them develop new projects and direct some more films too. Marvel immediately offered them Captain America 3 and also said if any Avengers movies were possible in the future, they would also be the first choice too. Interesting. Now, all, yeah, all of this was signed and contracted three months before The Winter Soldier was released. That's how confident Marvel was thinking that they had some amazing talent on their hands. Mm-hmm. Um, the Russo brothers also asked that the writers of Winter Soldier also received a similar contracts as they enjoyed working with them so much too. Marvel immediately agreed. And so uh, two fellas named Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely were also given long-term contracts. And those two guys, alongside the Russo brothers, and Kevin Feige then started to plan and plant seeds for the entirety of Phase 3 and the rest of the Infinity Saga. So, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, they both arrived at Marvel Studios into their brand spanking new offices and decided to note down and draft up ideas as to what Captain America 3 could look like. They got a fair bit into the process. They knew that at the core of the film had to be the relationship between steve rogers and bucky and suddenly they heard a little knock on their office door and turned to see kevin feige standing in the doorway the head of marvel studios just standing there looking at them he said two words civil war and then walked off now civil war was a is a very very famous comic book arc 
that saw the Avengers take two sides and fight each other. And so they listened to the big boss and they took inspiration from the Civil War arc, but then still managed to keep their core theme of Bucky and Steve. Now, in their first draft, it did feature Tony Stark in a very small role. It, they kind of worked out that it looked like they'd need Robert Downey Jr. on set for about three weeks, and then he'd be wrapped. Uh, can I stop you there, George? Yes, you can. Because... Yes. Audio commentary facts. So, the audio commentary was a delight. It was both... Who was on it? It was uh, both of the Russo brothers and um, previously mentioned Marcus and McFeely. So it was technical, it was funny, it was just charming, through and through. Um, but they originally said that a comic book run called, known as The Mad Bomb was one of the original threads they were going to go with before mm. Kevin Feige did his whole Civil War mic drop. And the original idea was that they had someone try to draw Bucky out of hiding, much like they kind of had here. Um, but the idea was that they were going to blow up this area, blame Bucky, and the whole thing was leading towards someone who wanted to rob the the stock exchange. And Bucky mm-hmm. had the answers in order to do that. And they were like, yeah, it just didn't work. So then when he came in, it was <laughs> like, Civil War, baby. <laughs> they, they the Mad like, Bomb as well was also a bomb that almost zombified people that came into contact with him. And mm. I know that that was planned. If they were to do it, that would be the final fight scene. Would be It would be released in like a city centre and it would be Cap and Bucky fighting a bunch of essentially zombified people in a city centre. So much what Colin doesn't really enjoy anymore, the hordes. Um, mm. So it's good that they um, went another route. Man, many yeah. thanks to Kevin Feige as well. Apologies um, for interrupting. So, no, please. I love it. Um, never so apologise for the trumpets, mate. Exactly. Never <laughs> apologise. Uh, so Robert Downey Jr. at this point had actually played Tony Stark six times. That's if you include his small little role in the um, Incredible Hulk credit scene. He read the script and he loved it and actually requested that his part be expanded. Um, now, if agreed and if it benefited the story, he'd be open to a much larger role, but a much larger payday too. So our good old friend at Marvel... Um, the CEO of Marvel Entertainment, Ike Perlmutter. Oh, uh, there he is. Yeah. He got wind of this, and when he found out that Robert Downey Jr. was asking for more money, he immediately contacted Marcus and McFeely, the two writers, and told them to immediately remove Iron Man from the script. I thought he was already gone. No, he, he did pop, but he was hanging around for a little bit more. Oh. A tiny, tiny bit more. Fuck um, that guy. Yeah, spoilers. Um, It was... This isn't, I haven't got this in my notes, but I do know this from memory that Kevin Feige actually went to the head of Disney at the time and was like, you've got to get rid of him. You get rid of my boss. And they did. And then that job was given to Kevin Feige. So yeah, he unfortunately hung around a little bit longer. So yeah, like I said, it was um, yet again, poor old Kevin Feige who, who had to intervene and try and resolve this problem. Uh, Feige, he knew just how important it was for Tony Stark to be in this film because in their minds, the Avengers essentially had to break up at the end of this film. The Avengers should cease to exist because that would only then heighten the drama and the stakes if a certain large, very angry, very purple alien was to visit Earth in the future. So Civil War needed to set up those stakes. 
And so then Feige became the middleman in discussions between Perlmutter and RDJ's team. Eventually, obviously, uh, a deal was made and it saw Robert Downey Jr. earning $40 million plus his usual percentage of box office if the film made profit, (laughs) as if that was ever going to be a problem. So in October 2014, Marvel announced that they were officially working on Civil War. But not only that, it would be directed by the Russo brothers. But not only that, the Russo brothers were going to direct an Avengers movie in the future. And not only that, but Civil War would introduce the Black Panther to the MCU. Geek minds all over the world then spontaneously combusted. Now, Chadwick Boseman was something actually of a newcomer to the world of film. He'd done a couple of things before, and Marvel was so impressed by his previous work, he was immediately offered the role on the spot. He actually didn't have to audition. And then suddenly, over the next couple of months, it felt like there was always announcements uh, regarding Civil War. They were constantly uh, announcing new members of the cast returning, like um, uh, Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda Maximoff, Paul Rudd as Ant-Man, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye, Don Cheetah as War Machine. Um, they also said they would be introducing the wonderful Daniel Bruhl as Zemo, who has appeared in previous um, comics as a villain too. They also very nearly announced that Evangeline Lilly um, from Ant-Man would be appearing as the Wasp. But then her character was dropped from the script and that announcement was scrapped. They did this because they knew that they they needed to introduce another female superhero as there wasn't too many in the MCU at the moment. And they felt like seeing her as the Wasp and in costume for the first time was a big moment and it might actually be overshadowed by the other 104 other things that happened in Civil War. So they didn't want to rob both the character and Evangeline Lilly of that moment. So she was promised a big, fat old next time baby, and they told her to sit tight, and, you know, you'll get that moment somewhere down the line. So whilst writing for Civil War was also underway, um, Sony released a film called, as Rob, I think, bought, no, you bought number one, Amazing Spider-Man 2, with Andrew Garfield in the role of Peter Parker. It was, unfortunately what they would call a disappointing release critics didn't love it it didn't exactly set the box office alight and so then kevin feige had a light bulb moment and he sent an email to the head of sony amy pascal the email pretty much said if you essentially let us borrow spider-man for our next movie we will help you produce and make a spider-man movie over at sony so give us spider-man for civil war and we will make you another spider-man movie that you finance but we'll handle all the creative decisions and we'll split the box office cheekily marvel did say that that box office split should be 50 50 um sony declined mainly because they'd also just started production on a film called sinister six uh, a film about spider-man's most famous villains all in a film together and they actually hired the extremely talented and amazing um drew goddard to write and direct that film now this is where it all gets a bit weird can you both remember that very very odd time when seth rogan almost caused world war three yeah with the um what was the film called the interview the interview yeah yeah. (laughs) where he plays someone that gets sent to north korea to uh interview kim jong-un um 
but then he's instructed by, I think, the CIA to assassinate him. Yeah. And then the insane fallout caused by that film. Well, um, one thing that uh, Korea did was actually hack Sony's offices. I remember this. Yeah. And Amy Pascal's office, and they leaked every single email that Sony had ever received or sent, including Amy Pascal herself. Then suddenly, out in public view was an email from Kevin Feige to Amy Pascal laying out all of his plans for Spider-Man to help Sony with their own Spider-Man film. And in the process, also out in the open, was Amy Pascal's big fat no. Fans erupted. They gave Sony a really hard time over that. Um, They were frothing at the mouth because they saw just how close we were to seeing Spider-Man in the MCU. Uh, so then Sony pretty much had no choice. They had to agree. They were, they were, they had their backs against the wall, really. And so then, straight a couple of weeks after, it was announced that Spider-Man would be joining the MCU and appearing in Civil War. Uh, but Sony kind of really lucked out with this deal because essentially Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios would help them reboot Spider-Man. And Marvel would actually, in their new deal, only receive 5% of that box office. Hmm. Kevin Feige, he just loved Spider-Man and Peter Parker as a character. And yes, you know, they'd only be receiving that small amount of box office for the planned solo film as well. But then it did keep the door open for Peter Parker to potentially be involved in any future MCU movies as well. So it's keep your friends close, but your enemies close. That was one of Um, Feige's first jobs, wasn't it? Was working, I think, the original X-Men and the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, one of his first sort of production roles so yeah the character very attached yeah Yeah. um and so uh civil war started filming in april 2015 and by the beginning of june 2015 so two or three months into filming they actually still hadn't cast spider-man this was all done so last minute that they had to cast peter parker whilst shooting the film so Marvel came down to two actors, uh, Tom Holland and Asa Butterfield, who mo- people probably best know from Sex Education on Netflix. Uh, now, as Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans were basically on set every single day, Marvel brought both the young actors to the set into a back room and let them do their auditions and screen tests individually with both RDJ and Chris Evans as well. And on June 23rd, Marvel offered Tom Holland the role of Spider-Man. Five days later, he was on set in Atlanta, Georgia, getting ready to film the airport action sequence. Five days later. So then the shoot, again, thanks to the Russos, was seamless and issue-free. An early cut of the film did make its way to Disney executives, who, after watching it, did send an email to Feige and the Russos, essentially asking, correct us if we're wrong, but did they just lose at the end of this film? Yeah, change that ending, please. There needs to be a bad guy at the end who they fight after putting aside their differences. The Russos held their ground. They said the last fight scene had to be between Bucky, Steve Rogers and Tony Stark. This was their ending. Zemo's plan was to crumble the Avengers from within. And by the time the credits rolled, that should still be the case. And after a couple of back and forths, they actually won. And that's how we got to our ending 
And it would seem that they did the right thing by holding their ground because both critics and audiences fell hard for this film. It received the third largest opening for an MCU movie. Uh, the only two films to beat it previously were The Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron. It made $1.1 billion at the box office worldwide and was the number one highest grossing film worldwide of 2016. With fans now knowing that both this writing and directing team not only have more movies in the pipeline for the MCU, but they were also going to be producing an Avengers movie, the future was looking very, very bright for the MCU. Which brings us to the big question. Colin, what did you think? Well, let's put it this way. This team that they've got going on of the writers and directors, mm -hmm. I'm on board with these guys. Yes. I'm looking forward to the next instalment with these guys involved for sure. Um, mm. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, again, like I really enjoyed having you guys over and watching it together. That added like a whole new layer to it. Mm. And I've known you for a lot of years, George. I don't even know how many by this point. <laughs> But some of the noises that you made while we oh. were watching this together, I've never heard before from you. I'm so and sorry. And it was great. Oh. No, 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 it was great. I loved okay. it. It's like the passion that you have for these, <laughs> and Rob as well, but obviously I don't know Rob as well, so I don't, and I haven't known him for as long. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it, was a, it was a... This film has kind of pulled me back in a little bit because I did feel like I was starting to get to the point where I was like, ah, man, these films just aren't for me, and... Mm -hmm. You were thinking, like, if Rob and George die, I'm not watching any more of this. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> and then I was trying to think of ways to kill you both, so I didn't have to watch any more. But no, um, this one was fun. It was big, and there was oh, a lot going on. I so mean, much. My God. Yeah, there was... Very like there was a lot thrown at thrown at the you mm -hmm. know the audience. I have one. a feeling we'll even get to the end of this. We'll stop recording and I'll at least two or three times go. I didn't mention this. Yeah, um, it's just going to happen. Okay, so Rob, um, what about you? How was this rewatch for you? This was a lovely rewatch mm. because uh, with the company, I know we're going to keep going on about it as if we're <laughs> the best cinema, like the best film watching group to sit down and watch <laughs> yeah, a exactly. film with, but. Um, it was delightful. Colin's got a lovely dog as well, called Fader. Got to meet yeah, she's Fader. Yeah, there's a few bits, we'll touch on it later, but there's a few moments of this film that hit me harder now that I'm a dad, which I was quite surprised at. Hmm. Um, but yeah, oh, oh, it's great. Good. Yeah, this is top five MCU for me, potentially top three. I, I rate it so highly because, and you know what, I would have been so devastated if you didn't like this, Colin, but I knew that we kind of needed to see this film together as uh, I feel like it's a massive turning point for the MCU. It's, it's a miracle. This film works. We have, we have scenes where there's men, the size of buildings are fighting a robot with a yellow stone for a forehead. Um, but then some scenes are the most grounded and mature. The MCU has ever been on the other side of you know, you know, on the other side of the spectrum as well. We've got these scenes involving round table discussions about security councils and the United Nations. But those scenes are just as riveting as the action scenes as well. 99.9% .9 of this film works for me. There's one tiny aspect that can go fuck itself, but we'll get to that eventually. Um, <laughs> so, shall we do our deep dive? Because I told you it was going to be a long one today. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's, let's get going. Let, let's get going. 
1991, the brainwashed super soldier James Bucky Barnes is dispatched from a Hydra base in Siberia to intercept an automobile carrying a case of super soldier serum. So now we have our second cold open to a Marvel movie so far. So no credits, no titles. We jump straight into watching Bucky or the Winter Soldier being instructed on a mission and to just brutally take out this car and its occupants before removing these serums from the boot of the car. He's 100% fucky Barnes in that scene. He's fucky Barnes in that scene. (laughs) My God. Um, Now this scene is only a couple of minutes long and I remember looking over to you, Colin, and you immediately sat up looked at me and said something along the lines of shit already this feels different i mm. mean it's it's a brutal opening right yeah i think uh, yeah i don't want to overuse the word brutal too much but it yeah it's like and i think i might have touched on this with the winter soldier um episode that we did and it's got to be down to this team that are doing it the the russo brothers and the writers because i think i said on that on that episode i mentioned how that was the first time it felt like I was watching a movie that was made for adults Yeah. at that point. You know, a lot of the other ones you can tell are family-friendly, very, you know, and that's kind of a lot of why I didn't really get too into those ones. But, yeah, I mean, everything about this one, like the fight scenes and everything, it just felt like if there was a dial of, of brutality, it had just been like, it had been, you know, turned up a few notches. Yeah. And, th- and that, that's what made me sit up. I was like, oh, okay, we're back, are we? We're back in the, <laughs> back in my world for a bit. <laughs> Good. Um, but Rob, it's, it's so clever as well. This, the, I love these writers as well, because it's also a very clever setup for later on in the film, isn't it? It's, it's doing two things. It's misdirecting you to what that third act's going to be with the mm-hmm. five files of super soldier serum. Yeah. And it's also planting those seeds that, the car crash and the death of Tony's parents is going to be a major, mm-hmm. like or that crash. You don't know it's Tony's parents at that point, but that crash mm-hmm. is going to yeah be important in some way, whether it be because of the super soldier serum or not. Mm-hmm. And it, it hits you so hard, like well, like a car crashed into a tree, because they want you to remember that for mm-hmm. later. Like, and there's no way you're going to forget it. No chance whatsoever. It's fantastic. So, in the present day, approximately one year after Ultron is defeated by the Avengers in the nation of Sokovia, Steve Rogers, Natasha Romanoff, Sam Wilson and Wanda Maximoff stop Brock Rumlow from stealing a biological weapon from a lab in Lagos. Rumlow blows himself up, attempting to kill Rogers. Maximoff telekinetically diverts the explosion but accidentally destroying a nearby building and killing several Wakandan humanitarian workers in the process. Now I can't remember if we've ever discussed this before. I think it may have came up in our Age of Ultron episode, especially in regards to like the Hulk versus Iron Man fight and of course the Battle of Sokovia. Mm. But there must be so many injured or dead civilians during these battles that I think I remember us saying that surely it needs to be addressed sooner or later. Well, here we are. I think this opening sequence has it all from a, a gorgeous practical stunts, some really great choreographed fight scenes, a couple of laughs as well, all before ending with that gun pu- gut punch of the tragedy involving collateral damage. Did this other opening scene, this second opening scene, essentially work for you, Colin, or was it a case of, I, I've seen this all before? No, I think this one was good. I liked that it was straight in with the action. 
I thought the the moment where uh, Wanda, you know, grabs whatever's about to happen mm-hmm. and throws it up was a really nice visual element. And yeah. I think I mentioned it after watching the first Avengers. I think I said like, surely the like they're fucking everything up here like they're, huh. they're, there's so mm. much collateral damage and you even said then like oh well maybe this uh, might come you know so, next so, um, time it, yeah, yeah <laughs> it was it was nice to to get that like f- you know essentially what maybe someone who isn't a massive fanboy would have as a criticism to the earlier films yeah it was nice that they've kind of lent into that and been to like yeah well, we get it there is collateral damage here and, and just it, it is going to come back and and turn into something else so it was nice to see you said, I think, at the end of Age of Ultron, I think George asked you what you thought of that team and that lineup. So I'm interested in that opening action sequence. Did they work it was as a nice. team? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, and it, it's strange. Like I'm sure we'll get onto it as the film goes on. Like There's so many characters in this now. <laughs> and it's almost like I got through a lot of this film and I forgot about Thor and I forgot about you know what I mean like there's just other characters where you're like hold on a sec there's yeah there's some big names that aren't even in this one yeah so I guess that kind of answers the question that the these newer guys are, are definitely cementing their their place you know I'm still mm. not a big fan of I think Falcon's a bit of a punch bag in this <laughs> he is like mm. he just you know and he's uh, and the, some of the suits are a little if you were to put like a you know level of who's got the best suit Mm-hmm. You know, there's a few of these that are a bit ropey in this one. But, okay, no, they're not too bad. Interesting. What you say? It's got the ropey one, so what I know. I mean, I'm 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 not that big a fan of Ant Man's suit, if I'm honest with you. Okay, they changed it in this one. It's slightly different. To, oh, maybe that's maybe that's why then. Yeah. Mm. Um, and yeah, Hawkeye looks a bit a bit goofy in places. And he's he's in dire need of a of an upgrade. Yeah. And Falcon's not the greatest. And I think Winter Soldier for me was way cooler when he had the mask on. Yes. <laughs> like having the mask on, he looks a bit like fucking Mike Hamill or Romance running around a bit, you know? <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Um, Rob, any particular action beats or character moments you particularly like in this opening sequence? There's a really, really cool shot of um, Rumlow's like firing these grenade launchers. At... He's not firing grenade launchers, he's firing grenades. <laughs> from a grenade launcher at, um, <laughs> at Cap and he gets f- blasted out of a window and hits three different ledges on the way down because it's shot yeah. in a bird's eye view you see each different like mm-hmm. it all like looks like one stunt yeah. it doesn't look digital so I kind of think that maybe that probably was a stuntman it just yeah, it looks great like the action's mm-hmm. shot so well I love the Black Widow fight when she sort of crashes a bike into someone and then just keeps going and they've all got such unique sort of fight style so i think it it works really well yeah big fan of black widow's fighting style it's just so brutal she uses every limb she's got just in these in her fight scenes it's so good and i i love that they bring back you know frank grillo as rumlow or as crossbones now Mm. as bad face man yeah yeah yeah. it just helps that this wonderful continuity the mcu has got you know it tells us that any character can come back no matter how big or small it's also a great character beat that um he you know steve rogers is always going to notice if a bomb is strapped to someone but he distracts him by mentioning bucky i love that and it Mm. it kind of reminds me um that we're reaching this point of the mcu now where 
you do kind of need to be in the know as to what's happened in previous films or if you're you're not caught up then kind of good luck keeping up um but it's clearly worked because fans and critics still fell for the film but are you finding that at any point colin that you know is the continuity confusing at you at any points are you just about keeping up I would say I'm I'm closer to just about keeping up mm-hmm. than being like fully in. I'm glad that you two were sat there because there was a couple of moments in the film where I was like, have we met this guy already? And you're like, no, we haven't. Because there is a lot that they throw at you in this one. Mm-hmm. And again, like some of the biggest moments of this film for me, when you guys told me that they were in the trailer, I was almost gutted for anyone that saw this film that yeah. had seen the trailer because they were probably the biggest moments for me. And mm-hmm. um and again, because I don't have that build-up of like, you know, there's clearly a community and like you two must get together or when you're just chatting, you must be talking about what's coming up in the new ones and stuff like that. Mm. Like, I miss out on all of that. So some things do sort of, that, that some things might not stick as much as others. Mm. Um, so that is like, I don't really have that many negatives about this film, but one of the biggest ones, if I was to have any, is the fact that, you really need to have watched the other ones to watch this film. Like, you couldn't sit someone down and go, I'm going to show you this cracking film, oh. and they've never heard of the MCU. Like, if, if this was the first film I'd watched, mm-hmm. I would have got ten minutes into it and been like, I haven't got a fucking clue what any of this is. I would say that's the same with any third film in a series. Like, you could look at it like it's a part of the MCU, or it's the third Captain America film. Yeah. Hmm. I see what you mean. Yeah, maybe there is some bits that sort of require the other... Of yeah, you know, the Marvel films to understand. I I think I think I'm going to defend it here. I think giving that making it a negative point is you being grumpy, because no, imagine sitting down and saying to someone, "Here's um, Lord of the Rings: Return of the King." There you go, and then being like, "Well, this rubbish. Why is it rubbish? I ain't seen the first two. Well, it's not rubbish, then, is it? You just haven't seen the first mm. two. I guess so, but I don't know if... Do you think you could have just got away with showing someone Captain America 1 and 2 and then gone into this one? Oh, I think a lot now, of the others... Now, but, yeah, okay, I, I agree with you there, because then suddenly when Hawkeye turns up, you're going to be like, who's this? When Vision is walking around, you're going to be mm. like, who's this? When they introduce Ant-Man, okay, yeah, I can kind of see that. But, you know, all of these previous events, and like I said, the continuity is part of the reason why I love the MCU. These shared universes uh, would be so easy to get wrong, <coughs> DC, and you know, really fuck it up because they they somehow play around with all of these genres and with all of these different characters, but it all still feels like the same universe, and it has never been done on this scale before. So, as a film fan and as a bit of a superhero nerd, I think it's just so exciting to see. So, yeah, moving on, uh, General Ross. Uh, the U.S. Secretary of State informs the Avengers that the United Nations is preparing to pass the Sokovia Accords, which will establish a U.N. panel to oversee and control the team. The Avengers are divided. Uh, Tony Stark supports oversight because of his role in Ultron's creation and Sokovia's destruction, whilst Rogers has more faith in his own judgment than that of politicians. And here, for me, we have one of Civil War's most riveting aspects, the argument for and against the Sokovia Accords. So uh, a group made up of most of the world's countries who decide where and when it is appropriate for the Avengers to essentially go in and do their thing. Uh, Because otherwise, they're just going to be seen as vigilantes entering countries of their choice and completing completing missions of their own accord. 
uh, Colin, who's right and who's wrong? And are the Accords a good thing or are they a bad thing? I'm not. There's not a right or wrong. I think. No. Well, I think that's that's the answer, isn't it? Mm. It's like at that point you can see both sides, but then I'm pretty sure it pops back to to Black Widow's. What is her name when she's not Black Widow? I need to Natasha Romanoff. Okay. When when it goes to her, and I think she sort of implies that the best route is to sign it, but then we'll be under them, but then with being under them, we can do our own thing and we can make a try. How does she run it? We, at least we've got a hand on the wheel. Well, yeah, because to me, like, going down the cap route is, it's like, well, then you're just a wanted, you're a bunch of wanted criminals if you try and do anything. And uh-huh. and then you're almost on the run, aren't you? Whereas if you're under it, it's almost like what you said earlier, keep your enemies closer. It's like, yeah. Um, but obviously signing it, it then opens up its own issues of, what are they then going to allow us to do and not do? So, uh, yeah, I mean, there isn't a right or wrong, but it's a very interesting topic for a film. A hundred percent. So, yeah, Rob, uh, so, like, for me, what makes this so clever is that both Starks and Steve Rogers' ideas or feelings surrounding the Accords are so well-defined, too. Um, It's just fantastic, incredibly strong writing. Yeah, I I agree. There's... um... What I found interesting watching this time is that I kind of thought, well, I always used to think that maybe Iron Man's side is a bit, makes more sense. But then you kind of think, well, if Cap had signed, if everyone had signed, Bucky would be dead. And for a crime he didn't commit. Mm-hmm. Now, is that right? Well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's, that's what I find really interesting. And what I learned today, listening to the... Audio commentary. Oh my god, that's scary. That's a deep one. Oh my god, that's scary. (laughs) (laughs) Was that they did obviously with with films? A lot of films have test screenings to see how audience are reacting to certain things, and there are certain questions to see. You know, things that could potentially be problems or not work or not be clear enough. And that will inform reshoots and stuff. So in this film, the the moment they realised, the Russo brothers realised that they were done, was when they showed it to a test screening and they asked who was right. They said, is Cap right? And 15 people out of 30 raised their hands. Is Iron Man right? The other 15 raised their hand. And oh, they said, that's right. so good! Lock it in. Yeah, hmm. lock it in, boys. Picture lock. Love that so much. I mean, they should have said, should Cap kiss anyone? <laughs> and then 30 people all put their hands up and say, no, we'll get to it. And then lock it in. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Stark, you know, at the beginning of this film, he's an absolute mess, isn't he? So he's spending millions on programs basically for his own therapy, you know, creating different programs to essentially spend time with his parents again and um, pepper it looks like she's left him and you know i adore the beat shortly after this when he's waiting at the lift and that other woman is standing there and as she reaches into the purse to grab just a photo of her son he basically launches himself on her and grabs her arm thinking that she's a threat i've said it in almost every film but tony stark is is this poor guy he's such a mess um i love robert downey jr in this i'm sure we'll get into more of him later but i think this is his best performance and it's not even an iron man movie the dh flashback i think we all chatted about this a little bit 
Mm. How did you feel about it, Colin? Well, yeah, I mean, initially I thought they were doing some crazy CGI and trying to show us like a younger version of of Tony Stark. And I was a bit like, what is going on here? <laughs> like it was very off-putting. Mm. It kind of took me down that uncanny valley that we've mentioned in the past. But then when it then, you know, revealed that it was just him creating that environment for himself... I really liked it, and I've got to agree with you, George. I think this is um, Robert Downey Jr.'s best performance as Iron Man. I mean, I've had a bit of an up-and-down relationship with Iron Man over these films. Um, <laughs> I don't remember any down moments. <laughs> no, I can't remember. At least, at least this one wasn't set at Christmas. Oh, but, um, fuck. Nah, the, I, I actually think he was probably one of the highlights of this film for me, was was his character mm. and, and, and the way they've taken him. And you could just feel... you could. You could just see the 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 damage that he's gone through up until this point. I love some of the scenes where he's not even in it as a part, but he's just like in the background, and just the way he's like slumped on the couch or just like mm-hmm. sat back in the background. It's like, yeah, he's he's not in a good place. Absolutely not in a good place not. at all. There's that yeah, he, one beautiful line reading of him as well when he's explaining to the Avengers who that daughter's um, who that uh, woman's son was. And um, he's like, yeah, he wanted to go out and see the world. He could have gone to Vegas. Um, he could have gone to Amsterdam. That sounds fun. That's what I would have done. He decided to do charity work in Sokovia. Um, he mentions the guy's name and he said, you wouldn't know his name because we too busy dropped a building on him as we were kicking ass. And yeah. it's just so, he's amazing in this. Mm-hmm. And considering it's also not a Tony Stark um, movie, then. Chris Evans, as Steve Rogers, only has five minutes more screen time than Robert Downey Jr. in this film. I love how like emotionally raw and alone he is in this. So they take away Pepper. They've yeah. you know, he's clearly working through the death of his parents, like you said. And like imagine being the scientist that or like the tech that he gets involved to sort of help him make that project of well, I'm just gonna do this, I'm just gonna make some hologram to deal with my grief and, and it clearly yeah. still isn't enough to deal with no. to deal with it he's not over it um yeah it's just a, a great way to start it and i love uh alfrey woodard's um uh her performance by the lift and that whole sequence and when i was saying about how there are bits that hit me harder this time as a as a dad that was really worked for me a lot more than it did any other time i've watched it when she's describing how how angry she is at him and how accountable he should be because of her son. I don't know, it just worked a lot more this time than when I've watched it prior to being a dad. And that AI sequence as well, like we like what you just mentioned at the beginning, Rob, with our very like with our cold open. That it's it's doing two things at the same time as well. It's showing us the headspace that Tony Stark is in at the time, but it's completely just planting those scenes and reminding us of what his parents look like. The fact that he never got to say goodbye to them, they died suddenly. It's it's all planting those seeds for all of the finale and it's done it it's doing it so we don't we don't watch it and go, Oh, that's coming back later. We're never gonna think that. Hmm. It's oh this fucking film. Right, so let's move on. Helmet Zemo tracks down and kills Barnes' old Hydra handler, stealing a book containing the trigger words that activate Barnes's brainwashing. So I know I say it's early on. We are we are pushing, um, and there's still lots more to discuss. But I think we should just get into it now, Colin. It's safe mm. to say that Zemo is the most unconventional villain we've had so far in the MCU. So does he work as a villain? And you know, we ask mo- this most films now. Whereabouts does he rank in terms of our villains as well? 
Well, this was actually the point where I think I turned to both of you and said, have we met this guy before? Mm -hmm. Because, and to me, that's always a very good indication of, of like how he comes across. Because if I feel like he's already been in this world Mm -hmm. and I may have already come across him by now, that's, that can only really be a good thing from my point of view. Yeah. Um, I think I like the fact that he was, you know, a very human villain. Do you know what I mean? Like he he had, and and he had an very good reasonings for the for being a villain which is always another good thing i do think though that unfortunately there wasn't enough of him in this film like Mm -hmm. i think that it was slightly overshadowed by everything else that was going on Mm -hmm. i would have liked to have seen a lot more of him doing a lot of the things that clearly he was doing in the background to get to that point at the end yeah so it was a bit of a shame. I mean, that villain had the potential of of being up there with with a Loki, or or maybe even knocking Loki off the top spot for me. Because I really did like mm. him when he was on. He was a scene stealer yeah. for sure. Mm. But I just think, unfortunately, didn't have enough of him in the film for me. Yeah. So I'll ask you another question. We always ask you: um, Are we seeing him again, or does he feel like I a hope one we done? see him again? I mean, like you said earlier, we we had a guy come back at the beginning of this one that had a fucking building land on top of his head, and it? so it's like there's no ruling anyone out anymore. I really hope so. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what about you, Rob? Uh, does Zemo work in this version, in our version of the MCU? I really like uh, Daniel Brühl. Anyway, I think uh, have you ever seen a film called Goodbye Lenin or Good Night Lenin? Can't remember what. If it's Good Night. Don't think so. It's a German film, but it's basically about. This guy that you know, Daniel Brawl plays, and his mum goes into a coma, and she wakes up after the Berlin Wall has been pulled down, and they, they're told oh. that if she has any kind of traumatic experience, she could go back into said coma, or it could cause heart attacks or whatever. And um, so they have to pretend that she's still living under communist rule, and the wall is still up. It's really, really good. <laughs> anyway... Yeah, Daniel Brawl is incredible, which leads me to two in a row. Audio commentary facts. I thought we were going to get two trumpets. No, no, it's too late for that. (laughs) (laughs) So Zemo's introduction, this whole thing where he crashes into the guy's car um, and, you know, he's an undercover reformed Hydra agent. Well, he's not reformed, but he's hiding in Cleveland or whatever. Um, that introduction yeah. was reshot because it was originally an auction scene where he was at a black market auction and he was buying the book, which they found oh. a whole lot less interesting and was right to redo, I think. Yeah, I think so too. It is a whole lot in- less interesting. And we also missed that very horrendous drowning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Not a kid's film, um, is it? No, <laughs> there's another amazing uh, fact that um, so Zemo's wife, which we'll get to later on the voicemail, was voiced by Anthony Russo's wife, and um, as uh, Joe Russo played one of the the dead psychiatrist that um, in the bathtub, yeah, yep. in the bathtub, Daniel uh, Brawl walked up to Anthony Russo on set and quietly whispered to him, "So." I have murdered your brother and married your wife. <laughs> Legend. Legend. I think the first time I saw him was um, Rush by, by Ron film. Howard. 
great Inglourious film. Bastards he's extremely well. good in it as well. Oh my god, he's so good in Inglorious mm. Bastards. I love Daniel Brawl. Uh, so, yeah, so Colin, um, like I said earlier on, Zemo was actually a villain in the comics okay. too. Um, so the when we kind of are first introduced to him, he's thirteenth in a long line of Baron Zemos. His family have got this lineage that goes all the way back to like 1480 with a guy called Harbin Zemo. Um, most of the Zemos were villains. Um, the 12th Zemo uh, went by the name of Heinrich Zemo, and he was one of the top scientists for the Nazis and also Hydra. Um, he fought Captain America in the comics. Uh, but this one in Civil War, in the film Civil War, uh, Helmut Zemo, that character... He was also in the comics one of Captain America's biggest villains. He formed a group of villains called the Masters of Evil. He also formed another group called the Thunderbolts. He was quite a big villain. He also used to wear this big purple slash pink-ish mask okay. over his face. Very, very So potentially a next time in... baby then, if he's got that kind of... Or at least a, he's got maybe that... a, a, a fellow Zemo may pop up. Potentially. Uh, but obviously in this adaptation, he's just a guy from Sokovia who lost his family mm. during one of the Avengers battles. I think it's such a clever adaptation of the character. At a UN conference in Vienna, where the accords are being ratified, a bomb kills King T'Chaka of Wakanda. Security footage indicates the bomber is Bucky Barnes, whom T'Chaka's son, T'Challa, vows to kill. So uh, let's just jump straight back in with another character. You know, it's all good if you, you we'll skip a few things as well when we're discussing sure. this. Firstly, Colin, were you surprised to see Black Panther in this film? And secondly, how was he for you? Are you excited to see more? Yes. A big fat yes from me. Ooh. I was, I mean, I know obviously when you first see him, you don't realise at that point he's Black Panther because he's not suited and booted. But I did recognise him because, I mean, I know I'm a bit of a fucking marvel hermit but i've seen his face because obviously you know um what happened yes. with him after these films and stuff so i, I recognized his face um but my god man talk about a scene stealer jesus christ i mean <laughs> the guy was practically glowing in most of these scenes i don't know what it, i don't know yeah. i don't have the words hmm. to talk about acting and stuff the way you guys do but there's something that i can't put into words when there's just certain actors on screen they have a presence about them charisma motherfucker yeah, charisma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, He's um, so magnetic. I'm surprised Tony Stark wasn't sticking to him all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it makes me very happy to hear that uh, reaction, Colin. And please, Rob, tell me that you agree when, you know, I think we both say here that Chadwick Boseman is exceptional as the child. Yeah, I mean, from the minute he, like everything Colin said, as soon as he's on screen... And he's got that scene, that moment, that lovely moment with. Uh, he has a few good moments with uh, Natasha Romanoff as well, but his mm-hmm. first scene, in which I think Colin um, coined a new phrase that she, he said, "She's a smokehouse, isn't she?" Nice <laughs> smoke show, <laughs> smoke show, smoke show, smoke yeah. show. And I refuse to believe. That I know. Was I word. had to. I had to Google it for you, and it was in the Urban Dictionary. I think smoke show. <laughs> yeah, there was a couple of smoke shows in this. Yeah, for sure. We all- <laughs> including T'Challa we all yeah um, oh hell yeah man <laughs> he is the smoke house <laughs> when he turns to his dad and he speaks in Wakanda we all we all joked that that's what he was saying like she's a smoke show <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah he's so good uh, he's just um got his presence about him 
Yep. Uh, his whole speech um, at the end of the film, talking about you know how vengeance has consumed pretty much everyone mm. in the film, and he's done letting it consume him. Is incredible. He's got an arc. They to give him an scene. arc, and, and they give him an arc in, in a, where, where he's barely he's got like three or four scenes. Um, and Colin, this dude is American, and his mm. accent is incredible. Mm. And you've kind of hinted at it, but. And I'm sure we'll get to it late, into it later. Um, because as everyone knows, Chadwick Bowman has now unfortunately passed away. I got goosebumps just saying it. Um, at, at the unspeakably too young age, uh, 43 of cancer. Um, he was diagnosed just after Civil War was released. And yes, he filmed the Black Panther solo movie with, uh, with cancer um, and did not tell a single member of the cast or even the director as he didn't want special treatment or to burden anyone. Um, such a tragedy. And trust me, Colin, it hurts so much more because just wait till you see how good he is in Black Panther mm. as well. Um, it's, yeah, it's, That's it's definitely tough. the one on my the top of my list of ones I would like to watch. So hopefully it comes up soon. <laughs> Yes, um, yeah, it's it's very good. Uh, so, um, informed by Sharon Carter of Barnes's whereabouts and the authorities' intention to kill him, Rogers decides to try to bring in Barnes, his childhood friend and obviously war comrade, comrade, comrade himself. Rogers and Wilson track Barnes to Bucharest and attempt to protect him from T'Challa and the authorities. But all four, including T'Challa, are apprehended by the Bucharest police and James Rhodes' war machine. So, I mean, I guess we haven't even mentioned the passing of Peggy Carter. It's such a a, a big moment, just given to us so early in the beginning of the film. And we kind of move on to it fairly quickly. Um, Rob, was was it time to let Peggy go, as sad as it is? I think it's a good scene. I think the sort of lead into that scene feels a bit... He just gets a text saying she's gone, and he's like, "Right, see ya." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Off to a chair. Yeah. It just feels really weird. He's like mid conversation, he gets a text, and he's just says she's gone. And he's like, "Right, all right, mm-hmm. see you later." And the next minute, you're in the <laughs> the funeral scene's great, but it's almost like they didn't know how to put it into the film. Mm-hmm. But I, I love yeah, the I love the I whole speech so. about um, you know if um, every time someone tells you something you know is wrong is right you root yourself like a tree and say no you move great it strengthens his arc and arguments towards around the yeah because he sure. knows that Sorry. the woman he loved would have been on the same page as him so of course he's gonna mm. stick to his guns yeah for sure um so colin just mentioning like some of the scenes i just talked about then um so bucky barnes you know the winter soldier this is the second, no, third time you've seen him now. Obviously, second time you've seen him as Winter sure. Soldier. Are you starting to get bored of him? Are, are you finding him more interesting as these films go on? Um, and also, B, I know I'm throwing a lot of questions it, yeah. at you. Um, when we last see the character in this film, he's put in, he's being put essentially back on ice. Yeah, you know, scared that Hydra may find him again one day. Um, again, is that it for Bucky? Do we keep him on ice? Um, in, to answer the first part. I'm not getting bored of him. I I liked what they did with him in this one, and I I enjoyed the <clears throat> the the plot line of Zemo finding this book and having this, you know, this uh, sp- whatever it was really like a speech. I mean, what would you even call it? Mm-hmm. It's just a. It's just essentially a bunch yeah, of random yeah, words, yeah. Uh, trigger words to uh, wake him yeah. up. Yeah, so I, I liked having that 
point of him sort of at any moment he could be either the good guy or the bad guy because I remember from mm. um, the Winter Soldier episode you were sort of saying there maybe even slightly hinting at what was to come you were saying um, do you want him to be you know do you want him to be a villain for longer or, or are you happy to see him join the crew yeah. and stuff and at that point I think I said happy to see him join the crew but I would like to see him as a villain for a bit longer and you kind of got a bit of both in this mm. one didn't you so you definitely so, um, did that was nice uh do I want to see more of him? He's not on the top of the list, but I'm not going to be. I'm not going to hate it. Like I, I enjoy <laughs> his character. I, I like his style. Um, but he does need a bit of a haircut, though. I'll that much. <laughs> well, who knows? <laughs> Let's keep this moving on. So, impersonating a psychiatrist sent to interview Barnes, Zemo recites those words to activate Barnes's brainwashing. He questions Barnes and sends him on a rampage to cover his own escape. Rogers stops Barnes and sneaks him away. Let's get into this because I love this whole next sequence. Uh, mainly because everyone gets to fight without their gear, so to speak. <clears throat> so T'Challa doesn't have the Black Panther outfit. Stark has one gadget essentially attached to his hand. Rogers doesn't have the shield. And it's this really vicious and fast fight culminating in... The amazing moment, everyone, of Steve Rogers holding on to a helicopter that poor Bucky is trying his best to fly away from. Now, Colin, I, at that guys, moment... Um, I've got something for you. <laughs> ka-ching, oh ka-ching, Marvel money shot. Uh. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy you made a jingle for that. I wasn't ka-ching. expecting a jingle for it, but I love it. Marvel money shots for sure. And I will do a different sexual yeah. groan at the end of each one. <laughs> that's that's the, uh, the Steve Todgers promise. Brilliant. So speaking of groans, but not of the sexual kind, uh, Colin, mm-hmm. you did do a bit of a groan when that moment happened. Yeah. Was it too silly for it you? It was way too much. I mean, I think there was no. a lot of moving Todgers probably at that point in the cinema. <laughs> um, but yeah, that... I mean, I, the, the the fight scene up until that point, I thought was really cool, and I loved. Yes. I know I say I'm not a big gadgety guy, but I loved the Iron Man just having the hand, mm-hmm. and you know, like mm-hmm. I think there's that moment where he like stops a bullet because he just holds the top of the gun and then rips the gun. It's apart. my favorite beat in the yeah. sequence. I'm sure Rob was going to yeah. mention it as well. Yeah. It's um, he literally puts the hand to his face as Bucky yeah. literally puts the yeah, gun to his yeah, face yeah. and pulls the trigger, yeah. and you see that one tiny beat in Robert Downey Jr.'s eyes of. Fuck, I almost yeah. just died. Yeah, he, would have, he would have shot me in it's the head. beautiful. Yeah, that yeah. was cool. Um, but, man, I mean... <laughs> oh, I mean, I think that was one of the noises that you made at that point um, that I've never I heard before in my life. There's, there's a great <laughs> bit in the audio commentary where um, they're talking... I haven't got it noted, but I just remember they're talking about how it's the characters that really interest them and they love character moments. And then that moment happens and one of the Russos is like, yep, lot of character in those biceps <laughs> something even they know yeah it's, it's a it's a comic booky moment it definitely is yeah any other beats or moments you particularly like in that sequence rob um i really love the i really like how cat like uh bozeman is in that that scene like it's a bit where he gets punched back and he like sort of almost rolls into like a cat pose it's really odd yeah i love the mm-hmm. We we kind of had to gloss over it because we've got so much to do. But the the action sequence before, when the the whole like Bucky escaping his apartment, 
it's and incredible. We see the Black Panther sequence. suit for the first time and all that stuff. That whole sequence is great as well, and there's so much good stunt work. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the oh, yeah. I don't know if you guys have ever watched, and I highly recommend a group on YouTube called Corridor Digital. They did a sequence with mm-hmm. the, one of the stunt guys called Guy De Silva, who he works with. He was Black Panther stunt performer for that film, and he talks about how the suit was like rubber basically so any kind Mm. of like extended leg kicks or movements and jumps was like having to run against a bungee rope in order to do it so like watching it this time i was like props to that guy that must have been yeah man some Mm. of the dynamic poses he gets out of that suit is impressive yeah i've got one more interesting fact which burning through now when we got trivia later i'm gonna go for it i'm hoping george doesn't do my trivia later but um my trivia is rubbish oh, okay. this week. <laughs> Audio commentary facts. <laughs> so you may have thought the the flat or apartment, if you're American, that um, Bucky is living in was lit kind of grim and grimily. Is anyone out of you two aware of a song called Turn Down For What by Little John and someone else? Yeah, yeah. Yes. I know the music yeah, the video, music as video well. is directed by a directed duo called Daniels, who have just directed Everything, mm. Everywhere, All at Once, which is one of the yeah, films incredible. of the um, And that's what they used as their lighting reference. They gave the cinematographer that music video and said, that's what we want Bucky's flat to look like. What a coincidence. Out of all the music videos in the world, I watched that one today. I searched it on YouTube and watched that music mm, video. They mentioned it in the commentary. It's great. How strange. Hmm. It does look like a, a lot like it. That's awesome. So... Let's keep going. When Barnes regains his senses, he explains that Zemo is the real Vienna bomber and wanted the location of the Siberian Hydra base where other brainwashed winter soldiers are kept in cryogenic stasis. Unwilling to wait for authorization to apprehend Zemo, Rogers and Wilson go rogue and recruit Wanda Maximoff, Clint Barton and Scott Lang, Ant-Man, to their cause. With General Ross's permission, Stark assembles a team composed of Romanoff, T'Challa, Rhodes, Vision and Peter Parker to capture the Renegades. Colin, we only bloody got Spider-Man in this (laughs) film as well, didn't we? And they actually cast him young this time. So the reason why we all saw Spider-Man as our last movie and as our first bonus episode is hopefully a little bit more apparent now. Mm. Um, and I know it's only brief and we only get in for a couple of scenes, but here we go. I mean, how was Tom Holland as Spider-Man and Peter Parker for you? Well, this is another crazy thing that I cannot believe they gave away in the trailer. They sure because, did. Because, like, I mean, I, I hadn't even put two and two together about the fact we did the bonus episode on Spider-Man last week. You did well, by the way, hiding that in, because firstly it was like, <laughs> oh, maybe it's going to be Blade, maybe it's going to be X-Men, and then you just... So I was like, it, so you did well there. It worked, it worked out. out very well. I'm pretty sure I turned to you guys at one point and went, he's a baby. Because <laughs> it's... I mean, and again, I'm, I didn't grow up on the comics. I didn't do any of that. So controversially, Tobey Maguire is my Spider-Man. Yeah. So it was... A little strange seeing such Ooh. a young kid, essentially, playing yeah. that role. And it was even weird seeing, like, Aunt May being a bit of a smoke show in this one as well, you know? Like, <laughs> well, as Robert Downey Jr. calls her, as Tony Stark calls mm. her, Hottie May. Hottie May, is it? Aunt Hottie, um, <laughs> he calls her. Uh, yeah. Aunt Hottie, that's I, it. I, I did like the, the scene when 
when Tony Stark was in in there, and and that was cool. Again, like yeah. you say, we didn't see too much of him, so I'm not going to be too judgmental yet on on Tom Holland mm-hmm. as Spider Man. It was a bit jarring just seeing how young he was, and I'm sure, oh yeah, like you guys said on the Spider Man episode, um, to most fans, it was probably like finally we're getting the version of of Peter Parker that we all know sure. and love from the comics. Um, yeah. So yeah. We will see. Um, so yeah, Rob, was Tom Holland the right casting? You know, because as previously explained, it was all done so very last minute. Um, it was either right casting or should they have waited a little longer? I think he's the perfect casting. And um, in order to back that up, I did uh, <laughs> ask Jeeves or Bing or Google. I found it on the internet. Oh, my God. Oh, so many fucking jingles. <laughs> so... <laughs> Going back to good old Corridor Digital, um, they had the, the stunt coordinator for Civil War on their show, and he said that in the audition with um, Tom Holland was auditioning with Chris Evans. As you mentioned earlier, he auditioned with both mm. RDJ and Chris Evans. Tom Holland asked the um, stunt coordinator, he said, is it all right if I do a front flip into my line delivery with Cap? And um, he said, well we're definitely not insured for for that so if that goes wrong we're screwed and then under his breath sort of said well it is an audition for spider-man and left it at that (laughs) so they call action tom holland front flips into the scene with chris evans and lands perfectly on his mark and apparently feige and everyone else in the um audition room's jaws hit the floor and it was kind of like uh easy It was him. That screen test is on YouTube as well. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's very good. And he literally flips into the frame. It's (laughs) incredible. I I love it. And I I think just the writing and all that stuff is really good. Like how they do, they somehow manage to do with great power comes great responsibility in a way that is really organic. Like, because you know Mm. what Peter's gone through up to this point, because we're not seeing the origin. So when he says, Mm -hmm. and his delivery of it is brilliant, when he says, like, when you can do the things I can do, but then you don't, and then the bad things happen, they happen because of you, you know what that means to him. And it's just, I've got goosebumps in the cinema. And I think I get goosebumps every time he delivers that line. I'm just like, brilliant. We know what he's referring to. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Um, there's 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 a take, really, that people say that based on his ideas and philosophies that maybe he should actually be on captain america's side and there's a part of tony stark that realizes that but still kind of takes him under his wing uh, in the hopes that he'll just follow the the cool rich guy and um, i think it's an interesting angle i think spider-man is an absolute breath of fresh air for the mcu even in this small role it is nuts to see him in this in the same film as the rest of our MCU heroes it's still today when we watched it blows my mind to see tony stark and peter parker in the same scene together um and i love that you know alongside you know paul rudd um he's got that sort of deer in the headlights here because he's so excited during the airport fight um a sequence that actually could be really dark they obviously know that you know the really intense fight is yet to come and you know this fresh air that he brings to it is really demonstrated as well by falcon asking him or just telling him i don't know if you've ever been in a fight before but there's usually not this much talking i love that little line (laughs) there um 
And obviously they, they've got that wonderful, wonderful, beautiful little moment as well where even though they're fighting, um, Peter and Steve Rogers still share a little moment just because they're both from New York. Um, yeah, again, it's all these shared continuity and shared universes. I absolutely love it. So speaking of that sequence, uh, Stark's team intercepts Rogers' group at the Leipzig airport where they fight until Romanoff allows Rogers and Barnes to escape. As Rogers and Barnes are, are escaping, Rhodes is inadvertently shot down by Vision and becomes partially paralysed. So, yeah, here we go. The massive airport fight sequence. Colin, uh, epic, boring, fun, too much. Uh, how's this sequence for you? Because there is a lot going on. Yeah, I don't know if I'm... I think I might... I might get you boys a bit upset with what I'm about to say about this, but... <laughs> oh, I'm ready to brace yourself. Um, yeah. You, I'm all, I'm, I'm, I still haven't already recovered from you saying you wouldn't continue watching the MCU <laughs> if, me and Rob, if me and Rob die. So no, keep no, no. Going. I said if you died, I would, in, in memoriam. I said if we just decided to stop the podcast, I wouldn't bother. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, feel a lot better. <laughs> Yay. I've watched Black Panther, for sure. <laughs> um, okay, so... Yeah, this this whole bit kind of fell a little bit flat for me, actually. Um, oh. I understand that it was the big moment, if, and I can imagine it, again, I go back to it a lot. If you grew up being fans of the comics and being attached to a lot of these characters, I can I can totally get that seeing these, you know, face-offs between certain characters would have been, like, very satisfying to watch. Yeah. Um, for me... And the only way I can really describe this is if I jump into the music world a bit. Because it's like if you're making a rock record and you want to have really big sounding guitars, right? You can double track them, which means you record one guitar, you pan it to the left speaker, you record another one doing the same thing, you pan it to the right speaker. And it makes this like wall of sound, big sounding, you know, guitars in in a record. And then you you can stack those by recording the same parts on top of them. And then it gets bigger and bigger. But it gets to a point after doing that two or three times that all of the frequencies start to cancel each other out and it actually starts to sound smaller. And I feel like with this scene, there was so much going on and there were so many big moments that it actually, for me, kind of collapsed in on itself and actually felt quite small. Okay. That's amazing. Mm. (laughs) Interesting. And I know that's going to piss, I know that's going to upset you because I'm sure it was a big (laughs) moment. And even like Ant-Man getting massive, it just didn't, it didn't hit me at all. It was just a bit like that bit just felt ridiculous to me. Oh. I, I don't know. I mean, and again, like I, that's just how I felt about it. I'm sorry. I'm going to piss people off because I'm sure it's like their favorite part of the film. And I can imagine it's a massive <laughs> moment in the whole fucking MCU, but it just didn't hit for me. It fell very flat. It's all good. Rob thoughts quick. I can, in terms of flatness, I would say like, Having to do a fight scene like this in this film, where the colour grading is very naturalistic and grounded, does make it visually, at times, look very flat and grey. But I do fucking love it. I was tempted to say, Rob, you go first, mate, because I know you're going to have loads of great things to say about it. Um, <laughs> I, I like that it has like almost three acts. You've got the the going easy on them, the okay, we brought in vision, we brought in the big guns, and then you've got that after 
sequence with them getting in the jet up until yeah. Rhodey being Before turned into a milkshake. Yeah, it gets real. <laughs> so I, I love that element. And I, I love all the individual geeky elements. Of it. I mean, I can't deny when I saw Giant Man in the cinema, <laughs> there was a Marvel money shot. <laughs> <laughs> It was um, no, I do. I, I really do love it, and I think there's there are a few things that are weird about it. Like if you notice that when Tony's talking to after the you know in the under ruse moment, yeah, the the oh, there's so many great visual effects in this film, but it's like his head is floating independent of the Iron Man suit for the whole of that sequence. Mm-hmm. It looks like someone's just sort of cut and pasted his head. Oh, there was a lot of that for me with Iron Man. There's one shot of Black Widow in the airport sequence that is really, like, obviously green screened. Mm. Must have been like a large. That's because all those backgrounds was it was all shot on a green screen. All of that sequence. So it does feel a bit flat to me. I I don't want to say I I don't want to say that I hated it because I didn't, but. But then there were moments of it. Like, I, I liked seeing some of the characters doing certain things, yeah. but, like, as a whole, it just didn't really... It, it, it wasn't, like, a bit... To me, like, the, the, the final one coming up, which we'll talk about, and that's only had three people in it. That was a million yeah. times bigger in scale and, and mm. everything for me. And it kind of goes back to the Spider-Man film we watched last week. Like, the final fight scene in that was just two dudes, and it felt massive, yeah. and I loved it. And I think, yeah. yeah, it was just, this was like an opposite version of what a fight scene can be, and it just didn't really work for me. I would say there's moments in the fight scene where you realise, like, maybe the stakes aren't as high as the film is making it out to be, because we all know that these guys aren't going to kill each other yeah. at the end of the day. They sort of hint at it with um, when Hawkeye and Black Widow were fighting and they tell each other that they know they're, they're both pulling their punches, really. But there are so many different other moments that I absolutely love, from the introduction of Spider-Man to that was cool. Ant-Man being launched on Hawkeye's arrow. Um, I'm ready, arrow guy, to uh, you know, <laughs> go into... Um, to go into Robert Downey Jr.'s or oh, Tony Stark's suit, um, to you know Peter Parker's way of taking down Giant Man, you know the whole remember mm-hmm. that really old movie mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back, um, and then making every single Avenger feel incredibly <laughs> Fun fact, old. Tom um, Holland hasn't actually seen. Sorry, <laughs> audio commentary <laughs> fact: Tom Holland hasn't seen Empire Strikes Back or hadn't at the time they were filming this. So that made them Brilliant. that made them feel incredibly like okay with using that line about have you seen this old movie <laughs> um so i have a good. few issues actually and it's only through watching it again when i was watching it with you guys i wasn't that fast and i do kind of like let it go because i enjoy it so much but in terms of some of it just doesn't seem to ring true for me in terms of the characters so i get that clint like hawkeye wants to break Wanda out because he owes uh, Wanda for Pietro's sacrifice. You know, yes. he sacrificed his life to save, you know, Hawkeye's, and he owes her for mm-hmm. that. But I don't know, other than that, what he's doing there. And there's also a weird moment where Wanda swats away um, Black Widow while, they're fight- while him and her are fighting. And he sort of gives her a nod yeah. as if to say thank you, but... That's like his oldest friend. Why is he like, cheers? Cheers for twatting my best friend. It it, it feels a bit 
because we haven't seen their political, well, especially his political reason for mm. wanting to be there, it didn't ring true to me. And also, we've only just seen Ant Man get his family back. So, as much as I love Ant Man being in it, again, I'm kind of a bit like, why is he there? Why did he agree to do it? They just shoe- shoehorned him in a little bit. Yeah, because we know Hank they, Pym's it, got it, an issue it, with it Stark, off a little but bit. I don't know why he, Scott Lang's there. Because they do tell him, don't they? They say, by doing this, you're going to become a wanted criminal. And he, he, it's a it's a very brush-off line of like, well, that's nothing new for it, me. It mm. is if you don't get to see your door anymore. You know what I mean? Like, it's it chills. I did, I did, <clears throat> I did think there, are, there were a few question marks to me as to why each people are on each side of the team. I mean, you get it for like the, you know, <clears throat> the main, obviously Tony Stark and, and Steve Rogers and that, but... It did kind of feel like they're just chucking more in just to just to add more to the kind of circus for the fans to see these characters against each other. Uh-huh. But then I wouldn't want to see oh. the film without them at the same time, which is what I find a difficult thing to wrestle with. Very interesting. Uh, I'd love to know the audience's feedback as well. well like, was it too much? Um, you loved it, right? Our char- of course well, I think I, I loved it, yeah. but I still... I, I can still see and those like I things said, yeah, there. Like I said, there's a, um, yeah, there's a couple of character motivations that may be a bit... I can imagine spiffy, most people but, loved it. I mean, it mm-hmm. wouldn't surprise me if I'm literally on my own. The music my... in the scene is incredible. I can still hear that music in my head. It's stunning. Um, so, Colin, did you miss... You kind of already hinted at it. Did you miss Thor and the Hulk in this movie? Like, should one or both of them have been added? Like, and You know, I'll ask the same question to you, Rob. Mm. Is the film lacking because those characters aren't in the film? I wouldn't say it was lacking, but it kind of gave me a bit of a panic attack when I realised that there is an entire other, you know, world happening as this is going on with with what yeah. we've already seen in in you know Thor's universe and mm-hmm. uh, because this film just felt so it was su- such a grand you know version of all of these characters there were parts where you had forgotten about them completely but then when you were thinking to yourself hold on a sec there are other big big characters here that we haven't seen if they had popped up man i would have been like oh this is way too much now like like i I don't think we would because again we wouldn't like what reason would thor have to join a side at this point like he's off doing his own thing right and hold he's he's like you know yeah but but uh, one of the He's from Asgard. Exactly. Goes to all these different planets. He's not going to even... I don't think he's going to give a toss about the Accords. But it does, It does. like like I said, fill me with a bit of like, holy shit, like we've got a lot more that's going to be going on. And <laughs> I, I think, yeah, the film's going ultimately for a grounded tone and they kind of bring in Ant-Man and, and Spider-Man to sort of bring a bit of levity so it's not just this complete dour you know, trudge, which I think it might have been if you'd not had that moment to laugh at, you know, in those, in, in that scene. Uh Um, and I think, yeah, again, Thor has no motivation to be there. Hulk, the Hulk side of Banner has no interest and Banner wouldn't want to be involved anyway, even if he wasn't AWOL. Mm. And it also makes it a bit too easy. I think the same with Nick Fury. If Nick Fury was able to just swoop in and go, right, you guys, Break it up. Sort it out. Yeah. It just like, it's almost better that it's sort of, they have to fight amongst themselves, the parents, are, yeah. and the big boys are away. Yeah, leave the kids to fight. Also, yeah, how much, how much of a wet fart is Vision? <laughs> <laughs> Still not a fan of Vision. Nah, man. 
Okay. Or not even when he's <laughs> making paprikash. <laughs> oh, no, he doesn't do it for me. Poor old vision. I wonder um, if he'll grow on you. Let's keep... Maybe. If he's yeah. even back. Ooh. Oh. We shall see. <laughs> Next and there's, time, like, there's lots of cool moments in that fight sequence, though, isn't there? Like the, I like the Iron stuff. When he goes into yeah. the uh, Iron Man suit, that was kind of the... Uh, that was one of the... This is your conscience speaking, we don't talk much. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. <laughs> I love him before he even joins the fight sequence, when they get him out of the boot of the van. Mm. And he's just like, Captain America. Yeah. And just, I'm shaking your hand too long. <laughs> and it kind of turns round. And what does he look at? He looks at Wanda or Hawker. No, he Wanda. looks at Wanda, doesn't he? I know you too, you're great. Um, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for thanking of me. He, every line is yeah. incredible. Um, at least Bravolson does a wonderful little performance choice there because you think about it and she's been told that the, you know, everyone's fearing her at the moment and she has to stay yeah. locked down and for some guy to go i know you too you're great she does this little smile in the background yeah. of that shot that is just like oh my god i'm not a monster it's it's really nice mm-hmm. i i love the moment as well when he goes i believe this is yours captain america about his shield oh, and passes him the yeah, shield that was cool. so good yeah i i love um all of Spidey's fight with uh, the Winter Soldier, well, not Winter Soldier, Bucky and um, Falcon, the whole, like, you've got a metal arm, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, I love all that. I love when he fight. Uh, obviously, when he fights Captain America as well, he says what we've all been thinking. As Cap throws his shield and it bounces off about four of the things and lands back on Cap's arm, he's like, that thing does not obey the law of physics <laughs> at all. Brilliant. Because it fucking does definitely. Not. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's um, a lot of fun, but I, if I sort of scrape past the surface a little bit, I, I see some things that would bother me if I let them. Yeah. Okay. Don't let them. Um, <laughs> so continuing on, uh, Stark discovers evidence that Barnes was framed by Zemo, and convinces Wilson to give him Rogers's destination. Without informing Ross, Stark goes to the Siberian Hydra facility and strikes a truce with Rogers and Barnes, unaware that they were also secretly followed by T'Challa. They find that the other super soldiers had been killed by Zemo, who then shows them footage that reveals that the automobile that Barnes had intercepted in 1991 contained Stark's parents, who Barnes then subsequently killed. Colin, it's a question again we've asked a couple of times recently in other episodes, but I'll ask it again. Mm. Is it too dark? Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) These are the bits that I like. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Keep that darkness coming. The less for kids, the better for me. I like, you know, like, I mean, I'm, I, look, I, I get it. I'm not a dad. I don't have, you know, like Rob was saying, he's watched this film now and he has a slightly different take of certain bits. And I'm sure mm. whenever I decide to have a child, it'll, maybe I'll watch these back and be like, oh, it's just a miserable piece of shit. Now I'm a dad. I see everything in a different light, <laughs> but I'm not there yet. So to me, it's like, if I'm watching a film, I want to watch some real shit. And this is, mm. this is the kind of stuff I'm into. That's the real shit. So yeah, like the shot of the winter soldier approaching the passenger that side of nice. the car and him putting his hand around yeah. the neck of Maria his Stark. human He's hand chilling. as well his human hand nice um, it's even worse you know, isn't it i thought i thought comic book movies were kids films rob is it tonally too far no yes it's brilliant <laughs> the whole bit where um 
talking of continuity, and it's a bit of continuity that you wouldn't have considered until this moment, but Bucky punching Howard Stark and Howard Stark saying, Sergeant Barnes, like he hasn't seen him since Cap 1, when he was a young man, and he recognises him still. Because he potentially would have put him forward for the Winter Soldier, no, for the Super Soldier Serum before they went for obviously Steve Rogers, he would have recognised him from way back then. Yeah, yeah and he sort of thinks, because obviously he was part of Cap's crew, he would have met him, yep. but you don't think about that until he says those two words of just Sergeant Barnes, and you're like, holy shit. His last words were yep. that, before he got punched you know, repeatedly in the face until he died. Yeah. And Rob, this whole twist, um, this act, this information was actually given to us way before hidden away in winter soldier wasn't it yeah it's on old cheeky arnim zola's computer screen mm. when he's like hydra have been under the surface for years or, or like orchestrating yeah. many events mm. and then suddenly a picture of howard stark saying the starks die in a car accident or something like that yeah and it insinuates there that it was um it was Bucky which also that, hits that did that's it. where cap found out and he's always kind of exactly. known from that moment. Yes. Mm. Um, so, Rob, would you have preferred a fight involving Bucky, Steve, and Tony versus the six super soldiers, or is the freeway fight scene uh, the be- the better way to go? Were were the Disney executives right in thinking the finale should have been the three Avengers resolving their differences? They should have just met a compromise and said, "Look, we're going to do the end we want, but you have to do a toy." Of Howard Stark's battered face. (laughs) (laughs) Like post-car crash. Starks. Brilliant. You have your toys. We have our ending. Everyone's happy. (laughs) Get the towel on it. Lovely. Brilliant. Um, We will get to you in a minute, Colin, because uh, enraged that Rogers kept this from him, Stark turns on them both, leading to an intense fight in which Stark ends up destroying Barnes's robotic arm and Steve Rogers disables Stark's armour. Rogers departs with Barnes, leaving his shield behind him. Satisfied that he has avenged his family's deaths in Sokovia from the Avengers' actions by successfully fracturing them, Zemo attempts suicide, but he is stopped by T'Challa and taken to the authorities. So... Colin, feel free to talk about certain aspects of this fight scene that you liked as well. But also, will we ever see the day that Tony and Steve see past this horrible situation? Or, as writers, should they keep it that they are as a pair? Well, I I distinctly remember thinking there's no coming back from this now when I was Uh watching it. But maybe that was a little... maybe, Maybe I was just in the moment at the time... There may, I mean, I don't know what's coming. There could be, there could be things happening in the future that are way above what this is, you know, what what this is about. But yeah, clearly, I mean, it's a massive moment for Tony uh, Tony Stark to yeah. And and there's that line about I don't know what the lines are. You guys can throw them out. I've only seen the film <laughs> once, but it's um <clears throat> towards the end of that fight scene where I think I think it's Cap who says, "But he's my friend." And then Iron Man says something like so was i or so or so was i yeah like yep. that is that's good shit man i like that a lot <laughs> it's good yeah, yeah, shit. yeah that that fight scene for me was again that's bigger more impactful there's yeah. more behind it for me uh there's more on the table 
Um, mm-hmm. So that that was sort of a good good climax for me. Yeah, yeah, Rob. This fight scene at the end. I mean, it sh- surely it's the most emotionally charged sequence we've seen so far in the MCU. Uh, does it work for you as much as? It yeah, does for me? I love everything about from the moment they walk in that room and you see that the super soldier's got the bullet in their head mm. onwards. I'm, um, I'm in. There's a brilliant Daniel Brühl bit which I, I've always maybe taken for granted and just glossed over because there's so much else going on. But he's staring at Cap from behind that blast door and he says, there's a bit Love of green in the blue of your eyes. Oh, just such a brilliant line. He he finds a flaw. Yeah, in nice Captain to see America. a flaw. Robert Downey yeah. Jr.'s performance during that tape, the playing, and also Sebastian Stan's performance as Bucky. Of him knowing I'm fucked. And also yeah. knowing what it, that tape is and what he has done. Because yeah. as he says during the fight... I remember all of them. Is you you don't look at it and go, oh, Bucky is a dick. You're like, he's yeah. tortured by this as much as Tony is. It's brilliant. It really yep. is brilliant. And just as Steve is trying his best to stop Stark from doing what he's doing, and even as a viewer, you're like, I, I get it, but don't just don't do this. It, Stark says the line. He killed my mum. Yeah. yeah. yeah one, and at yeah. that point, you're like, yeah, okay, get him. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. like, I don't care. He killed my mum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Perfect line. You so simple, but. We were talking about in Iron Man, in the Iron Man 3 episode, that one of their proposed openings for that film was to see a young Tony Stark catching a firefly in his hand and giving it to his mum and seeing it glow within. Can you imagine if they'd gone with that? I mean, this scene works with that anyway, without it. But yeah. if that had been the opening of Iron Man 3, so you'd further set up his relationship with his mum, and mm-hmm. then we had this. Like, wow. I think it would have been... It could have hit even harder. Mm. I mean, it yeah. hits pretty goddamn hard already, but... And from an action fan's point of view as well, there's that one incredible, almost like a one-shot, where the camera's completely still as well, where you've got the three of them. I think it's Bucky, then Stark in the yeah. middle, then Captain America on the right. And so much is happening. And they're throwing shields against each other. <laughs> and and then suddenly it all just goes into slow motion. And then I think it's Zemo's voiceover goes over, um, suddenly just saying, like, when he realises that he's kind of won. He's mm. made the em- empires can crumble or something like that. Um, me- men more powerful than me have tried, but if I can make them crumble from within yeah yeah, yeah. then I, i've I, i've done i've won, i've done exactly. my job and then he's listening to the the voicemails obviously we don't know their voicemails throughout the whole film we think he's on the phone to his family but it was the last voicemail sent to him by his family and his wife and things like that and he even mentions to t'challa at the time doesn't he something along the lines of um as we you know as we were driving away from sokovia i was you know at peace because i thought right we're getting away from this mm. battle my son was happy because he could see iron man flying past the car window yeah and but then he said like three days later after the screaming stopped and the the, the smoke cleared you know we we found my father still clinging onto the bodies of my wife and my son and you're like 
and it just brings it home all the way back from the beginning again of this collateral damage that they also cause and that going on to then create the villain for this film ah oh, it's so it's so all so good for me yeah he's not like a moustache twirling villain he's mm-hmm. you could look at him and go that's a very human reason to want to break this up and to yeah. fuck yeah. it basically for um, sure yeah i i love everything about it I think the action's brilliant, that it's Cap's always doing the defensive thing. So there's a moment where Stark tries to fly away and he grabs him by the foot and disables one boot. He's always just all about just disabling him. But they make it so Mm -hmm. brutal that that moment where he's got the shield above his head and he's bringing it down, you think he's going to cave his fucking melanin. You think? And (laughs) (laughs) And he doesn't. He obviously goes for the arc reactor, but... It's just, yeah, it's really powerfully done. Really great imagery. And that, that moment where he's walking away with Bucky and uh, Tony's kind of like, obviously the suit's powered down, so you can tell it's like weighing him to the floor mm. more. Mm-hmm. And he sort of, he's almost very childlike in the way he's like, you don't deserve that shield. My dad made that shield. Like, mm-hmm. say my yeah. dad made it. And that's never been a factor in Cap before him and Cap's relationship. Yeah. Him saying like... My dad made that shield works really well for me, I think. And then Cap just yeah. drops it. And and Colin, um, I, without going too spoilery into future things, that yeah, that's a big thing. That is Cap literally saying, then fuck the shield. Wow. Okay. If that's what it means to you. Uh, him dropping that shield is quite symbolic in meaning, then I don't want it. Mm. Um, it yeah, so what is Cap without the shield is going to be an interesting question. We're almost there. So in the aftermath, Stark provides Rhodes with an exoskeletal leg brace that allows him to walk again. Sorry, guys, can you hear that? Whilst... Oh, yeah. Excelsior! <laughs> <laughs> and they're interrupted by a friendly, but postman. Knock, knock, knock. But not unable to, but not able to read postman. <laughs> and it's cheeky Stan, and he says, "Tony Stank." <laughs> <laughs> I said to George before you came on that I thought that was going to be your name today on the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be Tony Stank. No, we got Steve Todgers <laughs> instead. <laughs> oh, Christ. Um, and also, uh, Rogers breaks his allies out of the raft prison. So, yeah, on the surface, it seems like there's a hint of a happy ending here. But if you really think about it, Steve Rogers has just broke all of these guys out of prison. Mm which means they're now all wanted criminals. So then, Colin, how does an Avengers movie work now? Are you at least excited to see what's in store for all of our characters next then? I'm pretty sure you've already said you are. I mean, I'm excited for an Avengers film because you said at the beginning that it's it's the same dudes, right, that did this one. So the next time, it's not a spoiler to say, the next time we see the collaborative duties of the Russo brothers mm. and... McFeely and Marcus, it will be an Avengers movie. Then yeah, I mean that that alone is enough for me to be interested in it. Um, okay, I don't have a clue how it's going to go, mm. but then you know Thor's out there, and there's a whole other universe with shit going on. It might be that might bring them together in a way because there might be bigger things going on. You know, um, who knows? But who knows? Yeah, 
We'll find out one day. So uh, any final thoughts, lads, or anything else you want to go through? There's a couple more things I wouldn't mind going through, but um, I've, I've pretty much said all of the things one I need to One thing really. that I want to bring up that we, we didn't sort of get a chance to mention earlier, and that is we talked obviously about how great Robert Downey Jr. is in this film, but one yes. thing I learned from the... Audio commentary facts was oh. that um, the pens that he gets Cap to sign or asks Cap to sign with, they're like Roosevelt's pens or something. They're in mm-hmm. Howard's archive, which is another way they kind of keep Howard Stark throughout the the plot. Yeah, um, That was Robert Downey Jr.'s idea um, to, to use those pens and have that device. So what they he was actually very involved in this. So what he would do um, is a week before any of his scenes were filmed, the writers and um, the directors would have dinner with Robert Downey Jr. and run through the scene as written. And he would, in character, improv additional things, bounce ideas around with them in order to build it into something fuller. And that pen moment was one of those things. Um, Just... I love him. Incredible. (laughs) He is Tony Stark. He is Tony Stark. Um, one thing I want to go through, I did mention it at the beginning, that I love 99.9% of this movie, except the one thing that can go fuck itself. So it, it really winds me up, because to me, one of my big things at the heart of the MCU has always been Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter. They always, I, Every time I think about them, I get emotional, about that last scene between them and the first Captain America about the whole... you know i'll meet you at the um the stork club for the dance and whatever and then obviously all of that is horrible so we get introduced we find out that um his neighbor from winter soldier is actually sharon carter her niece um so if peggy carter is the love of his life and bear in mind she's just died as well what the fuck is he doing kissing her in this film it just doesn't work it does not work in the slightest. It adds nothing. Nothing to the film. It's no, You couldn't even call it a romance so subplot. She gave back their stuff, gave back the shield, the wings, all that stuff. And instead of the kiss, he said, she'd be proud. Bosh. Done. Sorted. Same yep. scene. Same end goal. Instead, you haven't got a weird... Well, the love of my life's dead. Kiss her niece. Great, great, great grand niece is pretty fine. <laughs> yeah. She's I a took a trip house. to the a smoke show. <laughs> smoke show, whatever. <laughs> and to, right, I'll be honest. Um, in the last couple of years, the Russos have come out and said, "Yeah, they fucked up. We we got that wrong. Mm, that was weird." Yeah, they they fully have now see that that was very strange. So um, at least they admit it. But um, everyone's well, kissed yeah, someone they shouldn't me. have. Yes, oh, yes. Um, so yeah, any <laughs> final thoughts, lads, before we go into well, like the ratings yeah, and stuff like that? I do actually, and um, this is probably going to be the second thing that's going to upset you guys and also oh, no. annoy the entire fan base of the MCU. <laughs> I really didn't rate Chris Evans in this film. <gasps> I thought the majority of the scenes he was in, he looked bored. He was honing it in, and the fact that this is a Captain America film. And if you rewind the tapes, how many times have we mentioned anything that he's done in this film that's of any note, 
that's of anything big. Maybe the fight scenes, yeah, but that's a stunt double. I just yeah. don't think he was that great but, in this. But but he held on to a helicopter as it was flying away, Colin. Yeah, but I didn't cream my undies <laughs> like you did for that bit. <clears throat> I mean, I, again, like, I just... It, it, I, I, I remember saying to you boys as soon as it finished, I went, how can you call this a Captain America film? Yes. This is Avengers Civil War. Like, and even you said, like, Tony Stark had, what, five minutes less airtime or something you said earlier? Screen time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, screen time. Yeah, screen time's just five minutes difference. And yeah, I just... <sighs> I just didn't really rate him. I think Captain America as a character needs to be quite composed and he doesn't need to have the big acting scenes and maybe that can be construed as... I don't want to say boring because I love Steve Rogers as Captain America. No, but I loved him in... in I remember really in the first one, I remember thinking he was his acting and his portrayal mm-hmm. of... of um, Steve Rogers was like a very big strong point for me in that film and in the second one. But for this one, he just felt like a like it just just non-existent. Interesting. Sorry. Rob, help me out. <laughs> no, I can kind of see where he's come where Colin's coming from a little bit. Like I still love the film, but it doesn't really feel if in terms of the cinematography, the tone and things like that, it feels like a cap film Mm -hmm. but i think maybe where there are so many characters that don't fit into that tone and there are just so many things to juggle that it doesn't necessarily feel like his film i I guess if if, i was just about to say that if you looked at what his character arc would be there's not his sole motivation in the film is protect bucky and he he doesn't he makes his decision in that he's not a changed man yeah yeah the Steve Rogers at the beginning of Civil War is the Steve Rogers at the end of Civil War. Whereas I think most other characters, especially Robert Downey Jr., well, Tony Stark, have gone through some changes and have gone through some shit. Yeah. Um, okay. Interesting. No. Okay. I, we'll keep going. <laughs> what more can I say about Civil War? Like we said, this was always going to be a big episode. I've already said this is in my top five, maybe top three MCU for me. Um, right from the beginning when we started this podcast, I've always had it in my head. I can't wait to see what Colin thinks of Civil War. I've already said it. I think it's such a turning point. It's full of deadly serious moments and also like r- r- dramatic moments. Robert Downey Jr.'s best performance as well. There's so much more to get into. Like um, Vision's incredible jumpers. I could talk about them all night, but <laughs> we won't. Um, let's do ratings so shall we do colin first or me and you first let's pick colin i want to know okay colin out of five how was captain america civil war for you Hmm. i'm gonna give it a four interesting i'm gonna give it a four four's great yeah no dude (laughs) trust me I, i had a lot of fun with this one you oh, gave it... Toby Maguire Spider-Man a four, so yeah, and I mean it's, it's definitely up there with one of yeah, it's 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 one of the um, it's one of the higher end ones that I've watched for sure. It was like I said, it's just those few things that I've mentioned as as you know, yep. moments that I I didn't quite like. I don't think I can go higher than a four. Mm-hmm. That's perfectly fine. Uh, Robert Trot, four point five. Oui, again, yeah. 
I gave Winter Soldier five stars, and my my reasoning was that there was nothing in it that I didn't like. And I'd be lying, as much as I love this film, if I said there was nothing in it I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Because there are things like we just mentioned, and just little questions that it sort of makes you ask of why characters are acting the way they're acting or you know we we haven't even got into the fact that tony felt guilt for accidentally killing a child and then enlists a child to help him out mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah there's, there's just a few things like does is spider-man signing the accords or is he a vigilante mm-hmm. yeah. so there's a few things like that that i just think make it i can't give it a five interesting so george what's your um, <laughs> well yeah we know well, george's rating <laughs> <laughs> when it when it comes to like letterboxed and rating films on that the last couple of years i've realized i've been such a stingy old man like there's been a couple of years recently where i've given maybe one or two films five out of five and it's kind of made me question what why do i give a film a five like does it have to be absolutely perfect in my mind to give it a five because that's essentially a perfect score, right? So the last week, I've been really battling in my head as to what to give this, because my heart is saying five, five, five all day long. But then I keep going back to that fucking Sharon Carter kiss, and it winds me up, because it was such a misstep. And maybe I'm getting soft in my old age, but I'm willing to forgive it. So I give this five out of five. Because, yes, like I said, 99.9% of this film I love, I'm still willing to give it a very high rating mm. just because of that point. I'm 1%. glad you did, because I would have been extremely angry if you had given <laughs> Iron Man 3 a higher rating than this film. <laughs> uh, I, I think <laughs> yeah, I've given 3 5 out of 5 so far. I think for me, talk about ratings... A five out of five for me isn't a film. It could be the a real, real shit film. Like Troll 2 is a shit film, but there is nothing <laughs> right. about that film that I don't like. And I think that's yeah. what it is. It's not about well, whether course, it's yeah. technically the most perfect film ever. It's just about whether you like it 100%. Mm-hmm. Couldn't yeah, agree with I, you more. I uh, have the same relationship with Con Air. Mm-hmm. I mean, Con Air is not a very well-made film. It's, it's a lot of fun. It, it's extremely dicey in places, but to me, it's one of the most rewatchable films on the planet. And yeah. Does that then label it as a five star movie? It's it's an interesting discussion. It's a five star film to you, exactly. Yeah, but objectively, maybe not. Mm. Colin, what does a film need to do in the MCU to get that 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 five? Avengers I mean, came close. That's the closest. Yeah, it came very close, right? Four and a half of that. Four and a half. Did I not give? Um, I've got the rankings in front of me. Did I not give Guardians a four and a half as well? Yes, I think so. I think you did, yeah. And I would say Guardians is the closest to a five, for sure. Wow. And yeah. and I say that, and I know it kind of goes against what y- some of the things we've discussed in this episode and also what Rob just said, but there's a part of me that feels if a f- film is going to be five stars, it has... It, I, I think maybe I'm a little too picky and and finicky but i feel like it needs to one stand the test of time which you don't know until the time has been tested two i think there has to be elements of almost like a like a genre defining maybe like a game changing element to cinema as a whole from this film being Mm. a film yeah um 
and the rewatchability, I think, has to be there. Yeah. And I don't know if I have a five star film in my life. Oh, just so sad. It's not sad. <laughs> <laughs> it obviously makes you sad, but it no, does. it just it leaves room. It leaves room for that film to get me. I'm only thirty two. I got it leaves room for left. that next Russo's. Avengers film, movie. baby. <laughs> I'll stick by what I said in episode one. I still don't think there's going to be a film that I give five stars. Okay. And it's not... It's, and I say that just because of all the things I've just said, I don't know if there's... I don't know if it's possible for there to be a film that is going to tick those boxes that I just mentioned. And also, I already have this nagging mindset of it's Disney, there's a load of corporations behind it, it's yeah. not like none of these are particularly standalone. To me, Guardians is the most standalone so far because it is mm-hmm. so separate from the universe, and I'm sure that will come yeah. together. The only yeah. one I can maybe think of that could be close to a five is the, is the first Matrix film. Yeah, groundbreaking. That would be up there for, sure. for me because again, yeah. genre defining everything about it, and it stands and it stands the test of time. Man, I watched that recently, and I, I finally watched it at an age where I actually understood what the hell was going on, and I was like, damn, this is way before its time. Yeah. So yeah, that would be my. Very rough sum up of a five star. We've had a few people asking, so I thought it was worth us sort of delving into a bit. Yeah, Mm. but but again, like I I kind of appreciate the fact that you guys are not as strict and a bit more like it's more about how you feel about it and and maybe I'm looking at it more as like a what everyone not everyone, but maybe I need to start looking at it more of like how much fun did I have watching it to add to it. But then I just watch films in a different way, I guess. Of course. And I'm not quite as attached to this franchise as you guys clearly are, so and that's why we're doing this. We're seeing how these films work on that level. But hey, you never know, man. Like, I'm not just going to be like, because it's an MCU film, it's never going to be higher than a four and a half. I'm not going in there with that. If, yeah. generally if is... all of them are four and a half... Dude, four and a half is a fucking good job. score. Yeah. It's good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's fucking yeah. nine out of ten, you know? Like, that's that's pretty damn close to the top. So, mm-hmm. um... Yeah, if The Matrix is a five and you've given two, two four and a halves, I'm very happy. I yep. wasn't even expecting to give anything over a four when I started this. <laughs> so you've already you've already won me on that. Perfect. Uh, is it time for my weekly anxiety attack? <laughs> oh yeah, trivia, baby. Let's do trivia. <laughs> you know too much for your own good. Now that's what I call using the old head. George is going first this week for sure. <laughs> I'm going first because I'm not having that happen again. But. I'm going to be honest, and I'm probably setting myself up for defeat or even just by saying this. It's okay. Like, um, I struggled this week, but are you ready, Colin? I'm ready, man. Let's go. Here we go. So, shortly before filming Civil War, all the cast were brought into Marvel Studios to have their costume fittings. Sebastian Stan, who plays Bucky, uh, came in and had his measurements taken. Um, tried on a few costumes. He was about 165 pounds at the time. Um, but knowing, uh, <laughs> but knowing he was involved in pretty much every action scene in this film, from the fight in the apartment complex, the breakout sequence in Vienna, um, the, the the airport sequence, the final fight sequence. He, let's say, after the costume fitting, realised he might need to go hard at the gym. So then he arrived on set for his first day of filming. Unwittingly, he actually put on 35 pounds of muscle. He got so big that on his first day of filming, when they went to put the cover on over his arm to make it look like he had the metal arm, 
It barely fit over his hand. Um, he had got so big that the poor costume department at the last minute had to remake the entire arm just to get it to fit on before shooting his first scene. Damn. Little bit of onset trivia there for yeah, you. Yeah, no, that was good, man. I don't think yeah. you should have been ashamed of that at all. That was a good one. Shouldn't undersell okay. that. I mean, could you imagine being the crew on set? Uh, sorry, the, being the, the... The, the panic as yeah, well. Exactly. Why is this not fitting? <laughs> Why has this big bastard been on the juice for so long? What are we doing now, you know? <laughs> no, that was yeah. good, man. Okay. I liked it. So, as George mentioned at the beginning of the, the podcast, Tom Holland was hired very last minute. And he had very little time to adjust to the sort of magnitude of what taking on this role would mean. So when he was sitting down to do his scene with Robert Downey Jr., he was understandably nervous, which the directors assured him, this is absolutely fine because Peter Parker would be nervous meeting Tony Stark. That's all good. So they're doing the scene. And do you remember a part where Tony goes to join Peter on the bed and he says, you're going to have to move your leg because I'm going to sit down now. That was yeah. improvised in character by Robert Downey Jr. because Tom Holland was so nervous that he had forgotten his blocking for the scene. <laughs> so that Robert Downey Jr. then improvised and did that and apparently acted as a mentor during that whole scene of sort of like teaching, Robert, or teaching uh, Tom Holland all these little tricks, which then paid off when they were working on the post credit sequence, which we'll get to in more detail, I guess. But when uh, Peter Parker's talking to Aunt May about the, the guy from Brooklyn, Steve, that beat him up, and he says his friend was huge, that was an ad-lib from Tom Holland in the moment. Maybe some of Robert Downey Jr. had rubbed off on him. Mm, very nice. I like that, but they're both good. I'm not... George, I would definitely, I wouldn't feel ashamed of yours. Okay. Um, it's this reverse no, psychology bullshit George is playing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. No, I'm trying to put myself in, I like the fact that, you know, I like the the um, the idea of, of Robert Downey Jr. being like a mentor to Tom Holland and, and helping him out on set and stuff like that. That's a nice, uh, but I also like the, Oh. I like the, uh, you know, the, the the panic that must have been come across in that room when they realised that his arms were too big. Why this am I is so a really attached? tough one, Why am I actually? so attached to this fucking little silly I know, trivia I love contest. how much you two get into this. Um, oh, this is so hard. I feel, <laughs> this is actually the hardest one for me. Wow. Yeah, this really is. I can't, I'm not going to look at the screen because I feel like... <laughs> you can't see I can't, my puppy eyes. Yeah, I don't want to be... Um, I'm going with George. I'm sorry, Rob. Oh. I'm sorry, mate. I mean, I'm George's sorry, was mate. good. God. George's was good. Wow. They were both very good. This was this was a very this was like a split decision in the MMA world. It was <laughs> yeah. Down well, then the over to you judge. guys at home as well, because Rob will be putting out a post on our Instagram page, yeah, and you guys decide for yourself who won. Yeah, was and we Colin. will have a we'll have a people's champion at the end of this, as well as a yes. as well as a Colin Brain versus the MCU. Well, this champion. is a back yeah. and forth each week. We were tying. It must last be right. Time. No, still. Yeah, and then George is oh, back I up thought... again. Rob, oh, <laughs> so I was hoping to get a little bit of a lead, but now George is one he- one point ahead. You came in hard last week, though, Rob. 
Oh, Rob, you, Rob, you on the Spider-Man in. one, you Jesus. just you battered me. Yeah. I was I was slightly worried. Like I, was, <laughs> I thought I'd pissed you off or something the way you came in with that one last week. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. <sighs> I mean, so, arguably, I do many bits of trivia throughout. That is true. Yeah. You, I mean, you. Yeah. You're you, a trivia you know machine. How to pick them. Yeah. <laughs> Can you do your um, Marvel money making whatever it is? Jingle. Mar- money Jingle. Ka-ching, ka-ching, Marvel money shot. Brilliant. <sighs> Thank you for listening, everyone. Um, if you haven't already, please review or rate the podcast wherever you listen to it. It all helps. Um, so, Colin. Mm. Oh, shit, yeah. What we got? What's next? I have so no clue. <laughs> you've got a hell of a lot of choices now in terms of characters because think really of the, do, the, right? we've yeah. got a lot to choose from so what could we see next is it going to be another new character are we getting a film from any of our old characters any characters introducing civil war are we off to space What's what would next? you like to see yeah i mean i want to see a black panther one but i don't know if they were ready or was I mean, there, there can't be a Spider-Man one because they only just grabbed Tom Holland, right? Right before this one. So there okay. won't be a new so Spider-Man. So you're saying Black Panther or Spider-Man? Yeah, Thor's still out there, man. And it would not surprise me if we're going to take is. a little left turn and get away from, from this world. I don't actually want to do that, but that's going to happen at some point. Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, potentially, yes. So in our next episode, we are being introduced to a man named Stephen Strange in 2016's Doctor Strange. Colin, say bye. Bye. (laughs) Rob, say bye. (laughs) Bye. It's a very hopeful bye. (laughs) Next time we meet, let it be in peace and friendship. This is as far as you're going to get tonight. Such valuable stuff. All in a nice work. Sweet dreams, little friends. I fear we have not seen the last of him. And as always, we're not quite just done yet. Well, there we had two post-credit scenes. We will do both of them now. In a mid-credit scene, Barnes granted asylum in Wakanda, chooses to return to cryogenic sleep until a cure for his brainwashing is found. We've sort Mm. of mentioned that before. And in a post-credit scene, Peter Parker explores the features of some new web shooters built for him by Tony Stark. So what I very much appreciate in the Bucky Barnes one, the Winter Soldier one, is obviously Steve Rogers is there with T'Challa. And they say something like, um, you know, if they find out he's here, they'll come for him. And T'Challa says something along the lines of, we'll be ready. And it pans over to a massive statue of a Black Panther. Just underneath that is the city of Wakanda. And they're very wise to completely enclose it in fog. Because I love that the Russos at that point are just like, when you find a director Mm. for Black Panther, they choose how Wakanda looks like. We're not going to do that. And it gives them plenty of freedom going forward. audio commentary facts they said as much ryan (laughs) that was close the director of black panther okay (laughs) 
Is, is that a spoiler? I'm not going to no, say who doesn't I'm not gonna know say, who is, am I? I'm pre- Colin's <laughs> not going to know him. Okay, so the director, Ryan Coogler, had been picked to that point for Black mm-hmm. Panther. Um, and they mentioned in the commentary that that's why they did that. They said they want him to build that that world and that style. So they were very conscious about not showing really anything of Wakanda yeah. other than what they do show. I really do like that. They mention it in the in the commentary that he was like, T'Challa goes from wanting to kill Bucky to, mm-hmm. you know, accepting that he was hunting the wrong person mm-hmm. to then giving him asylum and trying to heal him. Mm-hmm. Like what a character, mm, what a yeah. noble kind of yeah. character. It's good. Yeah. It's a good way. To, they, they, they sort of give him the end to his arc in civil war. Then they kind of build on it even more in the post credit. It's a nice yeah. post credit. I think. Yeah. I really, really like it. Um, Colin, I doubt you've seen any of Ryan Coogler's films. He sort of really jumped onto the scene with a film called fruit Vale station. No. Then he did Creed, sort of like the oh, yeah, um, the, the, the Rocky spin-off. Yeah. Um, so um, definitely an extremely, extremely talented, uh, up-and-coming, mm. very talented Creed director. is right up your street. Oh, yeah. Creed is unreal. You I need to watch Creed. Creed with you, actually. I think yeah, you'd like it. it. Yeah. Creed is so good. Um, so yeah, it was um, a masterstroke of Marvel to get him. So be mm. excited. And um, they also, I think they got Kendrick Lamar to do the entire soundtrack as well. Yeah, I, I have heard a few tracks from that record, actually. Yeah, the so um, yeah. just everything leading up to Black Panther from us being introduced to Chadwick Boseman to get an incredible director. Um, yeah, Kendrick to curate the soundtrack. Um, yeah, I mean, you couldn't be ticking any more boxes for <laughs> Black Panther at the moment, <laughs> if I'm honest. <laughs> it's a special film, that's all yeah. we'll say. Um, and what else more can we say about um, the Spider-Man one? Uh, you know, it's just more of a setup that maybe that sort of... Uh, that it's, he'll be receiving somewhat of an upgrade in his next mm. film as well. Now Stark has built some, some web shooters for him. I distinctly yeah. remember when we watched it, Colin turned to us and said, Aunt May's giving him the fuck eyes. Yes, you did say that. Did I? Yeah, no, there was, there, there was a couple of moments of some fuck eyes, weren't there? And on that fuck eyes note, stay safe, stay well, stay nerdy. Bye!